Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Take Two. This is Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News, joined by Mara Carabello of the Exora Group and Greg Hughes, who used to be a house speaker. Yep, speaker of the house. I used to be, and I'm just Citizen Hughes. That's who I am. That's how I roll. Every time I hear speaker of the house, I've told you this before, but I get the master of the house song in my head from oh, late. No, no. Yes, it's a, oh. that's what, that's what kind of, the tune I say it to, just so you know. So here we are. Uh, we've made it to February, and uh, I'm yep. thankful for a new month. How was your Groundhog yeah. Day? How did that go for you? Yesterday, uh, it was a busy day. I yeah. would have relived yesterday over today, but <laughs> but I feel like the Groundhog, um, well, it gives uh, us a little saw a joy. Shadow. He saw a shadow. That means we always have six, six more weeks of winter. Really, yeah. there's no negotiating. I think it's just one of those yeah. things as humans, we like a little fun, I a little rodent distraction, and here we I are. I think he's paying off, frankly. Yeah, well, that actually, I just need it to stay cold for a long. Well, I'll need it to warm up eventually, but I'm really afraid Ooh, of the spring yeah. runoff. I'm yeah. afraid of it. Your house may just have you started bottling yet? Up into no, because the... the drought's been over since the beginning of January when my home flooded and my I've, neighborhood flooded. I so we you were, that. yeah, the drought's over. It, I have an aquifer under my house, and if anyone needs water, just come to our place. We have plenty. But I look at those mountains and I think there's more coming my way, which I'm not happy about. Yeah, so. so you need like a slow melt, not a 1983 yes. hot, and it all comes down, and then yeah, we get a fish on State Street. Yeah, I don't want yeah. that. Those were the good old days. Worried about that. So, All right. Well, hopefully that won't happen, but we do need a little more winter, unfortunately. So we shall persist and keep moving on. Last week when we were talking, it was right after the State of the State Address, the governor coming off a high, um, a very child and family-centric uh, State of the State Address, which I think was received well by most people. Uh Today, though, a little bit of backlash we're seeing after um, we've debated at nauseum the trans bills. I, we're not going to go back there again today, but I want to take us back. In, yeah, yeah gets, both of you are grounded. Yeah, no, me, I, I'm just defending myself over okay. here. She gets okay. so mad. Okay. But I want to flash back to last summer in August, and Time Magazine um, did kind of a sit-down with the governor and uh, really shined a light on some of the work he's doing here, and their headline was Red State Governor who's not afraid to be woke. I don't know that he loved being called woke, but I think uh, it was other states looking at what the governor was doing, saying, you know, we have a compassionate conservative here in Utah. And now it seems like the pendulum has swung with some of these larger newspapers who are paying attention to what's happening in Utah. And Mara, you saw an article today that's the complete opposite. So interesting. The LA Times comes out, so it's the LA Times, with an editorial, an opinion piece uh, a couple days ago on the 30th of January. I'm just going to read some of the kind of biting uh, observations. This is a their response to the governor signing, in short order, the trans bill last week. It says, how does one judge the character of politicians? One way is to see if they stand up for principle in the face of intense political pressure. 
By that measure, Cox is a spectacular failure. We can go further. He's rewritten the definition, the dictionary definition of, quote, political hypocrisy. They close, I mean, brutally uh, with, all I can say is that the anti-transgender winds are blowing strongly through the Republican ranks, and they blew through Spencer Cox's claim to, quote, compassion to smithereens. So <laughs> pretty tough. I, I'm saying LA Times is... Has, yep. Is not necessarily on board with Spencer. Yeah, Cox no, they're week. pretty mad. And then, and then I think you know, if you look at the Twitter sphere, they they're they're really mad at him too. And this is what I love. I don't know if you guys know, but Twitter tends to lean liberal to me. Yes, and by and the way, angry. I am learning that when you when the when the leftists really 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 want to insult someone, they compare them to me. So that's here we what, go. That's so what I had a banner yeah, week on Twitter. I have too, right? found that to be very regret true. voting for Spencer Spencer Cox. Okay, he took me. He took, He's t- he's, he tricked me. He actually doesn't care about any of us. And then it says, uh, he's, he's still better than that psycho Greg Hughes, though. <laughs> That's me. That's me they're talking about. You know, I, they still know my name. These are recent. One says. Greg's like, say my name. I know. Just spell it right. <laughs> just spell it right. And they are spelling it right. I'm oh, very good. happy that I'm living rent free in people's heads still after all this time. It says, I fell for it. I registered as a Republican to keep Greg Hughes from winning and to help Cox. At least Hughes wouldn't have pretended to care about trans kids before he stabbed them in the back. Well, I think that's a little harsh about me. They don't know me. I wouldn't stab anyone in the back. But uh, but you to get after him, boy, they're staff. saying he's, a, I think, here's one that says, He's, he's less bad than Greg Hughes. Hughes is another DeSantis. Well, thank you very much. I happen to like Governor DeSantis, so I think that's a compliment. But what I found fascinating is Governor Cox must be on the right track if he's being compared to me. But to the people on Twitter, that's the most that's the worst insult it's the you could give someone. The worst insult. It Maybe is. I don't remember it, but have we had governors in the past? I guess Huntsman had national attention when he was being governor too, but it's interesting how much, I guess, the – Outside looking into Utah, I feel like on a national level, oftentimes people say we punch above our weight class and people are paying attention to what's happening um, with our congressional leaders. But I don't know that there's been that same focus on our governor's mansion before. Is this new or am I just having a short memory? I don't know. It feels new. I mean, there was Huntsman, but Huntsman was on the national stage before. Yeah, because he'd like been he an was, ambassador. Right, and I, he seemed to be a little different. But I I feel like uh, particularly Spencer Cox has been... Um, watched that that the nation is watching. I do think Utah is often watched because of how we're supposed to trend red, and red means something to people. Yeah. Uh, we're always conservative, but we're sometimes unexpected in terms of how conservative comes out here. Right? Right. I mean, you know, our conservative can look like a lot of things here, and I think that people confuse Utah with sort of a group think in a way that we yeah. actually have more diversity. I honestly, I think when he vetoed the the trans bill last year, and there was a long a, a long letter he attached to the veto, I, I really think there was an attempt from the governor to explain his veto, and I and I think I, I'm pretty sure he expected to have a better reception because it was pretty heartfelt and it was he laid out the facts as he saw them, and I think he tried to make a pretty good case, but I think it was rejected by a lot more Utahns than he was expecting, and I think there's a there's a pool. There's a pool to represent the, the constituency in the state, and I think that some of that recoil from last year, you can you can see play out in this session. I totally agree with that. If you define those terms as constituency means right and left of right, I mean f- far right. I don't think this reflects yeah, I just, I, all of I you. Tones. I think I this is him gearing up towards an inner party fight. 
Well, that might be too true, but I, and I don't. I'm just not going to get back into this conversation. This would be three podcasts in a row. No, we no, talked we about the issue, so I, I won't talk about it. But we are clear. I don't on think issue. that's a. I don't think that that his positions here were radical. I do think that he is looking to, um, it, you know, appeal to the to the people of the state, and I think that the, the sign by that, people of the state you mean far right Republicans. Yeah, okay, I so, agree with you. Anyway, I think that that's why he did that. So All that right. He was well, better reflecting the state and its sentiment. I'm going to keep us on the national stage. And I want to talk about Senator Mike Lee for a second. And while I was looking for his tweet, I found new tweets from him. So I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to, he tweets a lot on his base like me, that's based right. Mike Lee page right. now. For real, for yeah, real. Yeah. And I was looking for his, um, Tweets where he was uh, tweeting directly. I cannot talk today. Someone needs to put me to bed for the weekend. But uh, he was tweeting directly to the prime minister of Japan saying, you know what, there's a deadline. End of this month, midnight, we need uh, Lieutenant Ridge Alconis back home again. And um, he's he's really kind of uh, tweeting in a way that I have we haven't seen with this so far. Mara, is he going about this the right way? Do you think this will help? Will it hurt? I think it's odd. Like I, so he gets huge points for having for a very long time been fighting for this Utah family. So yes. like nothing but a a slow clap for him. And he's even flown to Japan, met he with has. him in prison, and he has shown his dedication to this issue for a long, long time. This is not new for him. It is not um, a press release for him. I want to be really clear yeah, that you're on right. how, I've how much spoken he's, to him about he's this doubled down on, on how important yes. it is. Where I just still am going to old school it is I just don't know that Twitter is my place to research well-done diplomacy, and I'm not sure if this is how a U.S. president talks to a sitting prime minister. So I still struggle. I think it debases sort of the roles of everybody. Now, if he wanted to share a, a, a missive that he sent from the United States Senate, but I just feel like actually this tone of talking to the prime minister and giving out these deadlines, I thought that was really weird. I don't want to take away from the fight he's been fighting, yeah. but I found that um, I didn't. I don't find it worthy of the position of Senate, nor do I find it responsive to ahead of another country, to be honest. I do know he's been working with Rahm Emanuel, who's the ambassador right. there in Japan. I talked to Senator Mike Lee, um, a long interview, we posted it on this podcast, if you want to listen, about a week ago, and he was saying then at the time, too, that, you know, time's up, we need to make this by the end yeah. of February. Uh, what do you think? Is he yeah, no, so, making, you know, some waves, shaking some look, trees? I think, he's, I think the back-channeling and the diplomatic approach, uh, I think it's been exhausted. I think he's trying to bring more attention even publicly to this. I think he's to the point where he thinks that public sentiment needs to be uh, alerted and swaying towards his family. It's a tragic story. The man, you know, he passes out. Uh, you know, he's, he's was he in the Navy? Altitude sickness. Yeah. Altitude sickness. And, and, and they were able to prove or establish that it wasn't drunk driving. It wasn't, it wasn't impaired driving that way. He had a medical condition that made him unconscious, and tragically people died. But the punishment to this doesn't even come close to, to what, you know, what that accident was or how it had happened. He, this man's been sitting in jail. And so, you know, we've, I've talked about this with him a long time ago, and it's still – it's not getting anywhere. The man is still incarcerated. He's got a young family. Uh, the thing that I would be – the only thing I would do differently, and this is not – I don't know that this actually becomes more senatorial, is I am a big believer in I'm just going to come there. I'll just – and I know he's made trips, but I would just come and I'll just sit. I'll wait. I have time. I'm just going to come here, and I'm going to wait till I can talk to this prime minister till we can across this table understand each other because 
I don't. I think we're. I think ships are passing in the night here. There is something wrong with what's happening to this man, his family, without being, you know, without being callous to the the tragedy that happened. I would just go. I would go there, and I would just have a U.S. senator sitting in a lobby waiting until we could talk. And I think at that point, you're you're pushing this. Situation well, so maybe I, to I, its head. I'm not trying to say this diminishingly, but maybe what I agree strategically is you're saying if you're going to do a stunt, do a stunt. I, I found yeah, well, I'm a stunt. I'm I found, just going to go I found and the be, tweet a stunt, and I yeah. and so if you're going to do it, actually go, go bring public attention yes, go and big. ask us to do something, ask us all to write the prime minister or do something. I I found the tweet, I guess, not worthy of a stunt, and also not worthy of of the Senate. Uh, so in, in many ways, I can see yeah. where you're headed and saying, yeah, sure, that would be remarkable for a U.S. senator to sit outside the prime minister's house. And, or, or his like, office. Maybe, maybe his the office. Stunt would be with an end, but the stunt sorry. would be a, with an end goal of actually having that real conversation. I would right. actually want to have that real conversation. I actually, in a much, much lower and less emotional way, we had Medicaid waivers. And I was done waiting. I flew there, and I just said, I'll wait. I'll, I'll come here. I'll do Occupy HHS until I can get inside and we can talk about these waivers that Utah needs for these, you know, for our Medicaid. So I, I just think I'm a big believer in just going there and then just begging the, the moment or the, the, the meeting to have it and just get it out. And if you're looking at each other in the same room, very different than having your, your attaches coming with yeah, messages sure. back and forth. Well, he so. might have some extra time because Senator Mike Lee was actually pulled off a fairly influential committee this week, too, yeah. before he moved back to local politics. He was pulled from the Commerce Committee. And this is interesting because Republicans, they got to pull it together before this next election. But uh, Senator Mitch McConnell is the one doing the punishing. And that's because Senator Mike Lee backed uh, Florida Senator, former Governor Rick Scott, as the minority leader. So he yanked both of them off the committee as punishment. So, Greg, we're obviously seeing some of this happening in the House, but it's Republicans pulling Democrats off. We see this gamesmanship from both sides, but not usually Republicans punishing each other. Is, yeah. is this you guys eating each other up and this is the end of Republicans moving forward, no. or is this just... No. Here, here's what's mean happened. Girls, your, part the makeup two in the of your, your the makeup of your committee, and then this is actually the way we look at committees and our our legislative branch here in the state. You look at your makeup by way of percentages of Republicans and Democrats, yeah. and you try to reflect those committees by those same percentages. You know that you have that, are, that collectively. So with the Republic, the Democrats having a one seat majority, and having those those committee seats that were equally represented fifty fifty prior. Someone was going to have to be pulled off that committee, uh, or you'd leave the same amount on and, and add Democrats. But if the Democrats didn't add anyone, the Republicans were going to have to pull off, pull people off of that committee to make it a, a, a majority of Democrats. If you're Mitch McConnell, and I don't actually hold this against him. This is just politics, man. If you're looking at what Republicans you have to pull off, and you spot Spank two, that one ones. that ran against you and one that supported the guy that ran against you, but you would leave them on and then take off the people that were actually supportive of you, you wouldn't do that. You would take the ones that were supportive of you and those that weren't if you had to pick. And he has to pick. Mitch McConnell has to pull Republicans off of that committee um, and so and make the, his assignments. And so he's going to look at that pull of who he's going to pull off, and he's going to. it's easier for him to pick those that were not supportive of him. I, I, I think it's a human... I, I think that would have happened whether it be Republican or Democrat. That's a very mature outlook. Thank uh, you. 
Thank you. Mara, is, the, is he being mature right now? He's or being is he covering mature. For his party? Thank you. No, I mean, it's just the way it goes. It's definitely punishment. Uh, but he had to make a choice, and who you choose are people who are less supportive of but you. It's not a pun- it's not a punishment. In it's that not you arbitrary. Had to is what you're saying. Yes, I'm not he saying didn't, he didn't, he didn't just go look find around them and say and mug them and take no, them off. They the had conditions to existed <laughs> yeah. that he had to to do this. Yes. Now he could have gone through more machinations um, to help protect members of that committee if he were so inclined, yeah. and he didn't. No. So it wasn't completely that he had to do it. It wasn't as cut and dry. Well, but I you agree had that to have this, less. Is, this is a consequence. How do you pick them? Yeah. Right, and I think that this was a consequence. I also suspect that it's a consequence that Mike Lee expected. I mean, like, the, when yeah. when this happens at the state level and you had to do this, you mixed people up. Mm-hmm. They weren't shocked by any of this. This was a byproduct of long-standing lack of alignment. I also, I mean, Heidi, I do agree. I Things are not looking good from the inside right now with the Republicans. They don't seem to have the discipline that they have had in the past. Oh, I disagree. But I know you do. Maybe but I a don't. large Republican sleepover. I feel like a lot of wounds can be healed yeah. when you get together. Some trust hang exercises. Hang out in your jammies, text ex- <laughs> <laughs> trust. Look, you know. look, I think you're glazing over something that I thought was a, a profound moment this last week, and that is that McCarthy meets with President, uh, President Biden. And he comes out and he says, look, I'm not going to negotiate in front of you, the media, what's going on here. We clearly have different perspectives here. But he said, after we spent time, I see common ground, and we're going to go for that. I love that. I think he's come out. I think McCarthy's done some, has made some great statements. I think some good things are happening. I love that moment after he met with President Biden, and he said, I'm not negotiating this with you, the media, and we absolutely come from different perspectives, but I think there's common ground to be found, and we're going to pursue it. And we heard the same from Biden at, was it a prayer breakfast this week, where he was saying that, you know, they'd sit down and they'd be kind and they'd work on things, and... Yeah. The Kindness Biden McCarthy good. discussions are just breakthrough. They have is both. It? They've both agreed. They've both. It's almost like what you want, which is they're keeping it amongst themselves. Correct. Neither are taking advantage, and it is a shiny moment. And there, there is a, there is a principle out there that people might not want to acknowledge, but there is common ground in public policy where you don't you don't betray your beliefs, your your values, you can find common, common ground in public policy. I think Between Republicans yeah. and Democrats. It happens all the time. I feel like so reasonable. I know. Me. And I feel like sometimes just it's just truth. getting in the same room because sometimes it's easy whether you're online to be us versus them and they're all bad. Or But when you get in the same room and you're both humans and you got a picture of your kids or your dog on the desk mm-hmm. and you have to make small talk, you realize you're just people trying to figure stuff out. And I think sometimes just that one-on-one without the teams and the screw you from the other side – And then you build it, though, when Greg said something key. The key to that is, lately I feel like there probably have been great conversations, and then they walk out and they start the circus again. These two have not done. They walked out and they both both said their versions of, like, we're working on stuff. I had had this discussion today with Senator Reby, Democrat senator um, from Salt Lake County, and we we talked about how often Republicans and Democrats during the legislative session agree. On, on most bills, actually. it's But the, where we talk about it, like we will on this podcast, are the areas where we really disagree. And so where we get into our big, big debates about transgender or whatever it is, it sounds like Mara and Greg could never agree on anything, and poor Heidi has to keep everything tame. But what the reality is, is there, there's so much out here that we agree on. And, but the, that's, that can be boring. That's, that's not as good to report as it is. Uh, where there's these real stark differences and, and, and the debate gets hot. That's kind of what people see. And so I think the assumption is that's what it must always be. But it's not. 
There you go. I appreciate okay. that a lot. Okay, I've got a lot of topics, so okay. we can't fight Let's at go. nauseam about them. Okay. We have to really That's, just go she's through talking, them. She's looking at you, Marlon. No, so, so this she is one we're watching carefully at uh, Channel 2, but um, this is a bill about sex offenders in private parks at the Utah State Legislature. And until now, we all know that sex offenders have rules. You can't go to an elementary school. You can't go to a public park. You can't go a lot of places. You kind of have to stay away from them. That's your punishment because you did bad things. There was a loophole in the law, though. So let's say you live in an HOA and you had a private pool that the whole neighborhood could use, or um, there was a community garden or a community ballpark, or let's say just a park that kids played at. You could go there. And there was a sex offender, Paul Bryant, a registered sex offender, who's actually the president of his HOA in Lehigh. And some of the parents knowing about what had happened were concerned because you can look up online and see who's a sex offender in your neighborhood. They would see him at the park where kids were playing or wherever else. And so now we've got this bill, the legislature, that so far looks like it's going um, to pass. Mara, is this okay to tell people you own this land? We know you're a part owner of this park, but you're not allowed to go there because you've made poor decisions. Where do you lean on this one? And okay, so I'll keep it interesting. First, Ooh. it requires the disclaimer of nobody is pro sex offender. Okay, <laughs> no one. Thank you for that. But stamp even when of you approval. have to make that no cat, make that disclaimer, <laughs> I don't think you're going to go very far with this. What you're about to say next, if you Here's, have to start with that. No, I'm going to wonk it out from there. All right. So when you look at the bill, it is really pretty and easy. Um, it, it's an easy replacement and just def- more defining public and private, but. The folks I will take, uh, so one is, it's a hard issue about when you've paid your debt when it's sex offending. Like, when you've paid your debt to the community and what else do you owe? Because the one thing I just want to ask the legislature to do is, at one point, they may want to redefine sex offender because under this section, as I read it, it includes lewdness and one other. And I'm not like, again, I'm not (laughs) pro-lewdness. But but there are, are. But when I think of sex offender, I think to be frank, a lot of us think of pedophilia. Yeah, and there are there are several definitions, and so lewd behavior could happen if you were having sex in the back of your car and a cop found you. I mean, I don't. But like the question becomes. Is it targeting? I, I assume this is targeting. Greg, we've kids. all been there. Stop. Come on, Greg. Uh, I don't wanna, like, why you got to come up with examples? Why well, we got to go there? Why you got to come up with examples? Can we just, can't you just be, can you just be vague? Why do you got to go I know. there? So, uh, the listeners, if you don't know, uh, Greg won't talk about anything that has to do with the swimsuit area. But yeah, it's just, it's inappropriate. I, uh, it really I'm is. And I'm not saying, a prude either. It's just, it's I, not made for re- podcasts. I'm going to go back to Heidi's question of the severity of your own property. Yeah. I, I less about if you're talking about a, a pedophile, maybe I have a different standard. I'm just saying the standard is pretty broad. Just make sure we're not unintentionally someone made a bad choice, but it was a choice we all agreed was a moment in time and it wouldn't repeat like itself. Like teenagers sending nudes that they shouldn't have. And exactly. Then they get. And that well, was under the yeah. lewdness cause. And that actually is a case that got litigated in Utah a few years ago. So Mine becomes very parsed definition. Don't so, send nudes I'm to not anyone. for so anything bad. Mar, I, so I can, I'll give better examples, and it goes to, to our <laughs> high school kids. Like I've been close one, of the, one, of the, one of the things that, that and, and actually the legislature, when I was there, and I'm sure that they look at these things still, there, there were some definitions of sex offense that, that were, in other words, maybe a sophomore and a senior in high school. Yeah. Okay? And, that, and, it's, and if they were in a relationship... That by some of the, uh, by our state's definition, there was some of this You'd adjustment be booked that's as been a done. Sex yes, yeah. that was ha- actually happened. Right. We had a poor. We've had examples yeah. of poor students that were 
were being treated that way when it was a, a high school, you know, romance or whatever. The um, so I I see that, but I would argue that that's a broader problem with the sex offender registry and and some of the no, penalties. that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, but yeah. when it comes to whatever you want to fix in that world, it ought to apply to your community pool as much as it does the public pool, or if you have a park that's the HOA park where people are gathering or kids are or anyone are. Where you are on this, find yourself on the sex offender registry, the, the laws that would apply for these parks or pools should also apply in an HOA. But that's all, but I am pointing to what Mara's saying because there is some legitimacy there that some of the things that you would imagine would not be uh, yeah. put you on that registry actually has sadly been the case. So. I just want to give a nod to accurate drafting. And even then, I don't know if your example, I still, that might still be I'm a sorry, ticketable I didn't mean to, offense. I, I, I didn't, if you're not, if you're parking that car, it just might be, it depends on might where still you're parked. be in a pro I, pro I, I didn't in a mean real to bad talk way. about adult things in yeah. front of you, Greg. Jeez. All right, next bill. Um, those were interesting things. I hadn't even thought about that, but it's important because I think there is a broad spectrum of people who are affected by these things. Um, Governor Cox is back to pushing for the free UTA fares. Um, a lot of people say, hey, this could be popular. It could help with the air. It's kind of gross outside today, so it's a good time to be talking about it. Um, but nothing comes free in life. This would be his plan would be to give everyone a year free on UTA, whether it's the buses, tracks, front runner. But it comes with a large price tag. It's $21 million. And the big question is, can we afford it? I guess in some ways we can afford it because we've got money. So it could be a tax cut. We could do it instead of something else. But, uh, Greg, is it worth the $21 million And should the legislature and the legislative body sit down with the governor and say, hey, will this work? Can we do it? Can we make the world a better place? I think your return on $21 million uh, could be put, placed in better ways or with a better return. However, I will say this. The, the reason this has a lit- – why it's worth at least talking about is some people don't know what they don't know. And if, the, if you had a free fair – for some time, and someone said, you know what, the parking downtown or parking where I am, I have to pay for parking, or it's hard, whatever it may be, if it's free, it may actually be a motivator for some people to try mass transit in ways they hadn't done before, and if they did, they might find they have more free time in terms of what they can do online or with emails as they're commuting, they can do some other things, and you might find the ridership overall grow year over year if people discovered that they could actually get around, Um, it takes a little longer, but it's uh, there's you can do more with your time than just sit in traffic, and so it might have some merit there. the the uh, The issue I see is that twenty one million means that that's what they're recovering in fare box right now. I I actually think that's a low number for one hundred and thirty miles of fixed trail plus our bus uh, system that we have. I think our fare box recovery should be higher. higher than that. And if it's not, that's that to me. So I'm looking at that going. Are you kidding me? That that's all that they're pulling in from fare box recovery? I mean, I think some transit authorities, like half of their revenue they're pulling in is coming from their fare box recovery. It's a huge, it's a lot higher percentage, I think. So anyway, I think, I don't, I don't, I'm not crazy about this, but I do see why this is something worth talking about or noting, because you could actually draw more commuters if they knew that there were practical ways to get where they wanted to go. So Mara, if people want to practice, they can ride free this month, the 12th to the 21st. That's because of the all-star game, not really because we want everyone to ride for free, but we know there's going to be a lot of people here. So, and they're going to be running longer hours, which is exciting. 
In your mind, is this worth the twenty-one million? Yeah, I mean, it's really worth it. It's a it's a one-year pilot project too, which would help dial in sort of what the real expenses, what the real returns are. I think if you were passing a bill like this, you should also actually include, to Greg's point, some advertising, reminding people to try this. If you're going to test it, really do test it. Yeah. See if we could adopt to uh, higher ridership. Here's the one thing, and I I probably shouldn't say it. I'm I'm asking you as if you know more than I do. I was a little surprised. I mean, it, it shows the power of the bully pulpit because uh, the Cox administration brought this back up again and we're now talking about it, but I thought this was a little asked and answered at the legislative mm-hmm. level. It was. I, I thought this was shut down prior to the session. I thought it was shut I down like the, it had been the first week of the session. Um, and, you know, I guess I say good for the Cox administration for giving it another shot, but um, I did not sense that there was any appetite, particularly yeah. in the House, for this. I think it's a great idea. I think it's interesting to bring it yeah. up when there's inversion. If they're going to do that, I actually have ridden the train on and off throughout the years, and I still do when there's bad weather. Or I don't want to deal with it or whatever. A kid needs the car more than me or whatever. But I sometimes hate when you're looking at planning your day that – while I do get things accomplished on the train, I'm checking email and doing other things, the time in between trains sometimes is aggravating to wait where you're like, okay, well, I've got to get to a train, you know, half an hour earlier than I thought or whatnot. And so I think if they would run more trains, even on the weekends. Right. No, you're right. It just, it's sometimes the chunk of time it takes out of my day is a lot longer than I'd like because mm-hmm. I have to be there so much earlier. They need to give us a few more I think more it routes. one begets the other. I think the yeah. more of those, 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 those trains are in circulation, it, it reflects ridership. And yeah. I think they're, they kind of feed off each other. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, though. You can see, if you look at a car, if, you, if you're in traffic, next time you're in traffic, look at the cars around you. Most of them have one person in them. If, they're not, if there's more than one person in them, they're in the HOV lane. So you can almost assume when you're in traffic that everybody's sitting in a car and count how many seats inside that car are empty. And so take the number of people and how much space that takes in your, in your morning or afternoon traffic jam and think about how many people, when they get on front runner or tracks, who have a car, so they're choice riders who could otherwise be on that freeway, how much is that freeing up? And it's freeing up a lot. If you shut down, I've always, I've always thought this would be an interesting experiment, but it would just cause so much chaos you can't do it. Shut down UTA for a day during See, the week. Yeah. And, w- and watch what happens to these roads and everything. It would be, you w- we wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, I think there is a, those commutes are taking longer yeah. by a vehicle. The, 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 the difference between your commute in a car versus going by mass transit, the, the difference is, short, is becoming shorter because our congestion failure is getting worse. So that's where you're going to see people gravitate more towards mass transit. I'm going to tell you right now that the ridership they have, if you put that choice ridership amongst those that use it back on the roads, it would be a disaster in this in this state or in the Wasatch Front. It would be a it would you couldn't get around. So yeah. anyway, all right. Whatever. I'm waiting for them to run tracks all the way up to Logan and down further south too. I feel like at some point I just want it to spread mm-hmm. tracks. I think it will actually. to those far reaches. Reaches would actually I think be great because mm-hmm. north east west we're struggling. I mean that getting off of tracks, getting onto buses, I think is a major challenge with general overall grid systems. Yeah. But our north-south, that's pretty slick. Yeah, pretty sweet. I know. If more people drive, uh, ride the train, uh, Greg, would you idle less? No. 
Okay, good. I need I need actually sure more. I need more. I need holding the, to no, your I am. I need this climate to get warmer <laughs> so that I quit flooding. Okay, I, I, I want less precipitation, not more. Okay. The okay? world revolves around yes. our own yes. problems, and right now I, I got a lake paying. under my house. So we've been um, talking a lot about in the last couple of weeks uh, social media and cell phones, and it's happening on both a national stage and also here in the state legislature. The cell phone ban in schools already failed. It was up and then down. I think a lot of people were like, I want my kids to have a phone in case there's an emergency. Let's let the schools make these decisions. So that one is gone. But there's another bill, uh, Senate Bill 152, uh, that looks at social media companies requiring them to check age of users. And I actually heard um, from our... I won't even actually say who. Someone texted me and said, hey, have you been looking into this? And um, it's an interesting question on the national I level and the state. Okay, you know so who. I'm going to say I who because you talked to, talk to me this morning about it. But it's an interesting issue. Either one of these bills, if they were to pass, the social media companies we've talked about, they know how old you are. They know everything about us. They know when we go to sleep, where we go, who we talk to. I mean, they know everything. So you don't have to prove your age to them. But these bills would require you to show either a driver's license or a birth certificate or something to them to prove that you're old enough to be on social media or parents would have to give that for their kids. In writing. Yeah. And so the question is, Greg, you're ready to go on this one. Is this giving up too much information to social media companies that already have too much information? So, you know, my friend John Dougal brought this up to me. Oh, that's your friend John Dougal. (laughs) And he, and I, I I should have read the bill a little closer, but I, I honestly thought that it was, uh, if you if your kids wanted to get on, then the parent would have to give their ID and, and give and so they could prove that they were authorizing it. And I thought that's awesome because we won't do that. So our kids won't be authorized because what sane parent would turn over their driver's license number or whatever to to a social media company, right? Yeah. But then John told me this morning, no, no, no. It's every adult has to actually provide this documentation for they themselves to be on this. And I'm like, well, if it's not just for the kids, it's for me. I'm out. I'm tapping out of this. I don't, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. In fact, I thought it was so bad. It was how parents weren't, parents were going to give permission to their kids because they didn't want to give up that kind of information. So when it was that version of the bill, at least the way I was reading it or thinking about it, I thought that was good. But there's, there's no practical application to people giving that kind of personal information to a social media company. And to your point, I think they know exactly how old we are, where we live anyway. They don't even need us to do it. So they don't need my driver's license number. They don't need my birth certificate. Yeah. Nothing. I, I mean, this bill goes after a number of things. It is expansive. Um, it's is this so, the McKell bill? Because I thought so, I liked yeah, McKell, but I thought I read it. It's so expansive. It requires you to prove your age. It requires you to send a written notice if you're a parent. It also puts really stiff penalties on social media. It broadly defines social media. Um, no, it's per time, yeah. though. So, like, it, and it puts broad definition. This is this is big government. As long as it was at, at as long as it was kids on there, you could bust them for having ginormous. kids on there. I was all in. I just don't. I know. I'm when just it happens to my, you, it's different. No, I don't want. But I don't want them having my personal information for here's me. Here's what we've talked about this before. We're grappling with two different issues, and one is, or we're, what we're all seeing is how do you control. Uh, inputs, particularly to our kids from social media. And that's what he was going after. But this is like a bonkersly expansive. And it, it fails epically on two tests, which is efficacy 
and um, enforceability. I don't think it's going to be particularly effective. All these kids are going to get end arounds to it. And, and we're the chumps who are going to give them our information. And then I just think it's not enforceable. But I still want to give a shout out to someone trying to solve the dilemma of how do you get control over content at all or at a personal level? How do you feel like you and your kids can make yeah. decisions about context? But this this tilts, this pushes over so much law and challenges so much that the the fiscal note for, you know, for defending this would be so very high. Well, this is a big government bill. First, I, I feel like inaction. I, I, I like that there's some action being taken or trying to do something. It's an important space. conversation we need to be it having on a is. state and national level. What, yeah. what I thought different, because I I, we've talked about uh, Congressman uh, Chris Stewart's bill, yeah. uh, the federal bill. And, right. I, and that once you get into that federal bureaucracy, I had zero faith that there's any way to enforce any of it. What I thought with Mike McKell's bill, Senator McKell's bill, was if a parent saw it in the aftermath or something that was harmful to their children and they saw that this had happened, they would have some recourse, not not to catch any kid on, in real time accessing social media, but if they were, if there was something in their lives that was consequential, where they could point to what they were seeing or experiencing yeah. online or on social media, and they as they could find it, they would have an something actionable they could do. And so I kind of like that, especially because in the state, I have more faith in our state Department of Commerce or Consumer Protection than I do the federal side, but. But that's so. That's how I thought it could be enforced. But once you're saying that every single adult has to put their Again, once info, it applied to I am you. tapping out. No way. Yeah, because yeah. I was because if my kids asked me, I'd be like, nope. Then you can't be on it because I'm not going to give that information up. That was right. a perfect answer. Yeah, I, I, it was great. You don't have to be a Scrooge. You can just say, I'm not giving my stuff to them, kid. You can't be on there. Right. That was, that was so great. I do appreciate I love that we're that trying idea. to problem solve because yeah. we're, we're seeing the connection between social media and our mental health. So I think it's an important conversation. We've just got to figure out the right way to go about it. But I still believe that they know everything about us. I try to lie to like when you have to sign up for emails or other places right. about my birthday. So I get coupons sometimes throughout the year and it's like, happy birthday. I'm like, oh, yes, yes. it's my birthday. Free dinner. Let's go. <laughs> okay, I try to trick them into it um, throughout the year. But yeah, I don't know that people are going to want to give up that information. So uh, we'll see where that one goes. Uh, another completely different topic here happening on the state level, Utah corrections officer this week was hospitalized. We don't know how significantly after an assault happened at the new state prison. And this shocked me because I thought when we built this new state prison that it was state-of-the-art, um, there would be the safety of the prisoners, safety of um our men and women who are working there. And so we don't have a lot of information about where this happened, but it was in the maximum security antelope housing area. And the big question is, did we spend all this money and not spend it in the right places or do bad things sometimes happen no matter how hard you try? Yeah, I mean, this question happens in part because of the lack of information we have about the incidents, yeah. right? Um, I was surprised at how little they had disclosed. I, too, was surprised because I would... I don't know. I made an assumption that with new came like really good pro like it's not like something broke down in an old system, you yeah. know, or that the the system as it relates to locks and opens wasn't working. We don't know the answers to any of those questions, but it seems surprising that um someone was hurt enough to actually go to the hospital. I understand that he's out. Yes, that yeah, I think it was in and out in the same day. Yeah, yeah, he's okay, but I was a little surprised that uh this happened at a new facility. I know. I, I think that the, the issues with uh, corrections are not uh, under its current are not caused or 
created by the current administration or the Department of Corrections, who's who's the cabinet member there, the director. I think it's this. That I'm telling you, I was on the clock when we did this. That that's that new jail was supposed to have less full time employees by design. Instead of the long Alcatraz hallways, it was supposed to be like Gunnison and others that had pods, where it didn't require as many FTEs or full time employees, and that the resources spent for the employees was supposed to go to programming, helping people that most people that go in those correctional facilities come out. How do you prepare them to not come back in? Recidivism, right? Yeah. I, somewhere along the way, they came up with a, a, a design for that prison that has more employees or needed more FTEs or more employees than the old prison, which was, if you listen to all the debate and all the discussion about this, that there was an economy that was came in design that you could use those dollars more effectively. Somewhere they went to one-to-one supervision, which meant you needed more employees. The, the result of that has been that they have – there's like 40% staffed. We don't have enough work we, workforce. We don't – they have so many positions unfilled because people haven't looked to, at corrections as a career. They're understaffed. And if you're that understaffed, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. Whatever you do, if you have a skeleton crew instead of a full workforce – you're going to be facing some challenges in that job that you're doing, and I think that's what's going on here. And, there, and you know, you're finding it in law enforcement but also in corrections in terms of the available, interested pool of emerging workforce is not there. It's yeah. just not there in these That's fields. a hard job, like yeah, a hard field right. to choose to be in. Yeah, it is. And so I think that's, the, I think that's the, the, the problem they're running into right now is how to fully staff that prison. And I don't appreciate the fact that you, they actually need more full-time employees to staff that prison now than the old one. It was actually supposed to be the opposite. Okay, I want to end on a happy note today. Uh, At the state legislature right now, there's a bill that would really help uh, the Maras and Heidis of the world. Because how do you prove this? They want an HOV lane bill that would allow pregnant women to ride there because they've got a baby on board. Are they allowed to ask, what if I ate like a big meal and I'm looking stuff? Does that work? I mean, like, do they pull you over and you're like, I, I, you can just say you're pregnant? How does this work? I am free the, girl card. The grumpiest about this bill. Okay. I'm not. I hate this bill. Okay, you don't want to be fake this pregnant bill like me. Is offensive. This bill is so full of BS. I am so annoyed with this bill. I can't <laughs> tell you how annoyed I am with this bill. One, it actually tells you if you're pulled over, you have to show proof. Of pregnancy. I'm going to carry a sonogram to get out of the car. I thought there was an affirmative. Uh, I thought there was some assumption that you, they would have. You were pregnant? I thought you could just that say you were pregnant. Half the women in Utah I think you just are have pregnant? to say, how, how would you no. prove? How do you know it's a food baby versus yeah. a real baby? Well, so here's exactly why I'm offended. Sometimes, there's a, some get stage in the pregnancy, Get out of my reproductive prove. business. You can prove uh, it. Get out oh, of it. they're trying to be nice. This, no, they're not. No, they're not. This is some giant backdoor ill-conceived, proving when life happens, malarkey. I'm trying not to swear today. I hate this bill. It's offensive. It's offensive on its face. And there, no one's trying well, to be nice I, I, to pregnant women. That is, there's nothing in here that's you know, pro-women. I think only women can say it's not Stay nice out to women. of my reproductive I, I think if I were business. to be critical of that bill, then I would be insensitive to pregnant women. No, that's not true. This isn't even pretending to care about women. This is as... V- Thinly veiled of an attack because on reproductive you prove rights. That life, that if I, two if lives. I get this, yes. if I get this benefit, the then therefore it's people. incredibly clear when life begins. 
and it is not, and it should be discussed in a serious-minded way instead of putting these canons in that some kind of backdoor pretends that you understand me or my body, and the state does. So I don't need it. I'll buy my own damn pass. Get out of my reproductive rights, I say. Wow. I'm annoyed by this bill. I, I feel, I'm annoyed by this I bill. Can't, I can't answer any. You can't. I can't. I, you should there's just nowhere say, I can go on this bill. Just say, I appreciate your passion, Mara. Appreciate Ma. your passion, Mara. I'll say That's whatever. Good. Yeah, you ladies, you work this out on your own. I'm not even going to go ladies. here. This, Does anyone yeah. have anything happy? You can share anything else. Like, I know. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I know. Look, I need something I, was, nice I, I just want to be I nice know, to pregnant ladies, mean, and all of a sudden, if I, I am, I'm, I'm like part I, of a conspiracy of Mars. Most angry about pregnant women. Getting yeah. What about? It's okay. What if they have to get to the hospital fast? And technically, you're supposed to say pregnant person now. True. No, I'm not ever saying that. I'm saying a pregnant lady, and I don't care. That's what they are. Saying, remember it. the olden I'm days old where you couldn't say pregnant; you had to say with child, or like Ooh, there was really? another word yeah. with it. Yeah, because like even back in the fifties, you wouldn't say somebody was pregnant. Really? Yeah, you'd say they were with child, or they I had another that. word. I could what go word with they that. were in a family with way. Yeah, family way. See, that's what you say. Oh, I haven't heard that one. You're in a family way. Yeah, because pregnant was. I never get the memos on the, the words you can't say anymore. I I'm always behind. That's the curve not true. I've handed you those memos. Yeah, I know. I've you, laminated you those memos. <laughs> I just reject your memos. But I don't get them from credible sources. What I'm saying, I never see it. Is I there anything you're Mark. excited about on the hill? Where next week we're going to be like, wow, Biggest look at tax this movie. cut in Utah history is coming. It is coming. There's, Am I going to feel it in my it? Oh, check that I get? Because I want to yep. feel it. I don't want like yeah, 50 They are going to blow past cider. the $400 million. I, they Supply are like, cider. See that this, is gonna, this is going to put more money in pockets of families and, and consumers. It's going to be great. It's going to help us with an economy that's kind of struggling right now. I'm so. kind of excited. This is two weeks away, so we'll have another little razzle-dazzle. I'm always excited around sports events because I do think they bring the nation together. I don't care. I mean, I'm an AFC gal, but I don't care much about the two teams. But the Super Bowl, it's just a good time. Yeah, I'm not even into the Super Bowl, and I don't even watch it for the commercials. I just watch it because I feel like I need that's to be right. a part of what everyone else is doing. So uh, we're a non-football family. We'll be having some... I can't stand Fun Philadelphia. I think the Philadelphia Eagle fans are the worst fans Go in Chiefs. the world. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm, I'm for the Chiefs, but I, I I felt I don't even like the Cincinnati Bengals, so this is how fair I am. Wow. I watched that AFC Championship game, and those referees gave that game to the Chiefs. Just handed it to them. It, it was, well, they it was had, a they it had was to a make farce. up for, you know. Oh, my gosh. I felt so bad for Cincinnati. And I don't, they're in my division with my Steelers. I don't like Cincinnati, but I could not watch that game and not realize that the, the the refs got right involved in that game. They they determined the the winner of that game, which you know kind of it makes it less exciting. I was but. trying to just have a moment of gathering. Yeah, no, it's I mean, I'll, I'll be watching the Super Bowl. I, I don't want the Philadelphia Eagles to win under any circumstance, so I'm all in with the Chiefs. Right. I'd say we could all come together on Valentine's Day, but I feel like people have very differing views on that, whether it's a lovely day or not. I really don't want anyone to buy me roses there. I so again, mean. I got nothing that we can come together no, on. I, but it's been nice hanging out. <laughs> Sometimes I need friends to just hang out with <laughs> yeah, and chat with. So that is good. thanks we for being along for this friends hang out and chat and talk politics day. And uh Maybe take this conversation to a dinner table near you. Talk to your friends about politics. Just do it nice. That's right. We'll see you next week. We really won't see you. We'll just talk at you. (laughs) 